episode 84 for October 2009. The Spider-Man Crawl Space Podcast is sponsored by MailOrderComics.com. Their slogan is Today's Comics at Yesterday's Prices. And they have discounts as much as 75% off the cover price of new comics and trade paperbacks. The Spider Spotlight this month is Amazing Spider-Man number 614. The cover price is $2.99. Mail order has it for a buck eighty-five. So check them out at mailordercomics.com and tell them the Cross Space sent you. Welcome back, Webheads, to another fun-filled show with the Spider Panel. We've got the whole gang this time, and let's do the intros. We've got Michael Bailey from the Fortress of Baileytude.com. Welcome, Michael, and he's battling a cold, so he sounds like Barry White this month. Yeah, a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> also, sound like I've been smoking three packs a day every time I uh, every time I laugh. So it's it's not speaking, good. Yeah, speaking of three packs a day, we've got Kevin Cushing, the author of <laughs> Spider-Man Crawl Space web comic. Welcome, three packer. <laughs> Actually, only one. But thank you. Okay. <laughs> and we've got Zach, the co-host of the new Crawl Space Chronicles podcast. Crawl Space which Chronicles, which is kind of like my Chronicles brand. What did I say? Crawlspace Chronicles. Oh, shit. <laughs> We're Chronicles. Whatever. It's, it's like a Crawlspace clone. No, I'm just kidding. No, oh, it's, a good, it's a good show. <laughs> Everything's Crawlspace. Welcome, Zach. Uh, uh, it's good to be here. It's very good to be here. <laughs> Sorry I screwed up your intro. That was awesome. <laughs> uh, JR from SpideyKicksButt.com. Welcome, Mr. Goblin. Thank you, thank you. And remember, everyone, Halloween is only three weeks away. What's your son going as this year? Darth Vader. Darth Vader. Yes, he's got a costume that actually the the buttons on the front actually light up and everything. So. Oh, neat. Are you going dressing up as anything? Uh, no. Well, yeah, I'm going as a uh, tired, cranky old man. I just kind of oh. thought I'd do something a little different this year, you know. And uh, <laughs> you know, since that's next such a year, change of pace for me. Next year, cranky old woman. No, oh, 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 oh. <laughs> we don't want to do that. That one would get me arrested, I think. So. Yeah. <laughs> Someone who's not a cranky old woman is uh, Stella, who is a reviewer and administrator on the Crawl Space. Welcome, Stella, or Bubba Moose. One pill makes you larger, and one pill makes you small. The ones that Mother gives you don't do anything at all. Just ask Alice when she's ten feet tall. You're going to make me find some music for you again, aren't you? (laughs) Has this got something to do with issue 605? Oh, boy, does it. All right. There we go. Nice. All right. Well, let's start off with reviews. We've got four books this month. And let's start off with 604. Uh, This one was the wrap-up of the Chameleon story, which had uh, Van Linty writing it, had Kitson on art. So let's set up... JR, I'm interested in what your your take are, is on this book. Pros and cons. Well, uh, actually, this book was the uh, was the best of the month because overall, I want my month back. Um, <laughs> I, I can't wait to hear Spider Girl's take on the rest of them this month, since several seem to be based on adolescent male fantasies of how crazy or slutty women are. But uh, <laughs> issue, issue number wow. six oh four. Uh, titling the arc as Redheaded Stranger was more typical Marvel misdirection since Mary Jane appeared very little and was not a factor in the story. So that was disappointing and rather aggravating. Um, but, but overall, like I said, this issue was the best uh, of the month. It was okay. It wasn't classic. Um, it had a very annoying development at the end, which I'll get into in a minute. But what I did like about it was I liked the uh, characterization of the police and the deputy mayor 
at the end after Spider-Man saves the day and Jonah goes on one of his tirades and basically they tell him to stuff it. Uh, I always, <laughs> I always like, you know, particularly after that whole stupid police, uh, conspiracy, you know, to frame Spider-Man for uh, various, uh, deaths across the, uh, the city. It was nice to see, uh, you know, it had cops and political figures who don't buy any of that, uh, anti-Spider-Man crap. Um, I also got a chuckle out of Jonah stating that he was able to get the late Spencer Smythe's technology as a result of being a work for hire arrangement, since uh, <laughs> that's a pretty hotly topic debate. To- yeah, hotly debated topic in comics, and uh, I have a feeling we're going to be touching on that a little bit uh, later in this podcast. Uh, so I, I like that, but what I loathed was loathed. loathed. Wow, loathed. Was Peter not a loaf of bread, but loathing something as as in despising? <laughs> uh, yes, was Peter coming back to Forest Hills and finding Harry at the house lounging on the couch with the three hot cousins? As it appears, <laughs> as it appears that Aunt May's old house is now going to be hosting hijinks like the Delta House at Faber University. So you know, C plus is my final grade, and that's the best you're going to get out of me this month. Wow. Okay, Kev, what do you think, sir? actually really quite like this issue. I thought it was just a damn entertaining comic. Um, my only real dislike was that the explanation of how Peter survived uh, being dipped in acid, when they were showing the flashbacks, it was just kind of a completely different situation than what we saw happen to the guy at the beginning of the arc. Uh, that If what had happened to Peter was the same as that guy, he never would have been able to get out of it. Um, yeah. But that was kind of minor. It was one page... The rest of the issue I thoroughly enjoyed. I found it to be a great read. Uh, my favorite stuff was you know, after he had, well, at least he thought he beat the chameleon, he was touring his new life. I actually really liked him going in to find Harry with all the hot cousins, and then MJ's happy with him, and he's just kind of in a day like, wow, the chameleon lives my life better than I do, which to me seemed like a funny joke to the brand-new day Peter Parker. And then they carried it through, and it was uh, a good punchline at the end when... He sees Michelle, and his narration is just, Chameleon, when I find you, I will kill you. I, I love the whole thing, and I thought Barry Kitson, yeah. I always loved Barry Kitson, but I thought he just particularly rocked on this issue. This was some great Barry Kitson art. So, overall, I'm giving this issue an A. Wow. Nice. Okay, Zach, what do you think, sir? Uh, <clears throat> I'm giving this one an A, too. Uh, I'm going to agree with Kevin. This was this was just a really solid, entertaining story. Uh, I really just... Flat out enjoyed it, and uh, the artwork. I didn't. The only thing, the only minor complaint I have is the cover. I've never been a big fan of uh, uh, what's his name, the guy that did you, yeah, you, Mr. You, Mr. You, and I've never been a big fan of his artwork, but uh, I liked it in this one. Um, Or I didn't, (laughs) but uh, it was okay. I mean, it wasn't great. Uh, There was this this particular arc had some really really bad covers, i.e., the last six oh three cover with the like. Mary Jane looks like she's going to eat you. Um, <laughs> anyway, the uh, the artwork in the interiors was just fantastic. I, I, I really do like Barry Kitson. Um, uh, the uh, I like the scene where uh, where uh, Peter's actually holding the the, <laughs> the mask of Peter Parker, which was all, which was a lot of fun. Uh, the uh, the Spider Slayer um, little tentacles or whatever that was fun. Yep, I liked that one. And uh, this was just had a lot of classic feels to it. And uh, the Mary Jane, my favorite favorite page was the Mary Jane, uh, where she's laying, she's sitting on the bed. Uh, 
That was my favorite splash page. I'm not a big fan of uh, Michelle. This made Michelle Gonzalez look even more stupid, so I, I'm not a big fan of her either. <laughs> so, but hey, we're getting yeah. some forward momentum towards the gauntlet, so that's always fun. Cool. So two A's yeah. so far. Mr. Bailey. Um, I thought it went by too quick. Uh, the last, the previous two issues I, I, I was uh, very big on. Uh, yeah. Kind of liked the 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 brand new chameleon uh, a lot, and in this issue we we just got everything wrapped up very quickly and barely any lip service. So I'm going to kind of echo what uh, what Jr. said to you know the, you know the thing's called Redheaded Stranger and it's it's aptly named because she was barely in the book. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you know the, the one thing I did like about this issue is that we 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 kind of got an old fashioned recap page. At the beginning, with Peter kind of flashing on what's been going on, Mm -hmm. Uh, even though it was all from his perspective and saying, you know, this is what happened to me, it kind of reminded me of the old days when you would have a story arc going on, and the 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 writer would take like the first page to have the one of the characters kind of flashing back onto what happened, and so it kind of felt like an older issue of Spider-Man in that case. But uh, overall, though, I'm I'm only going to give this a B because I thought the pacing of the overall story and especially the quick pacing of this issue really kind of threw off my enjoyment of it. Okay. And Stella missed this month. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I understand. Or not oh. the month, but this particular issue. I just You missed this yeah. issue, yeah. Okay. Well, uh, I'm going to agree with Kevin and uh, Zach. You believe this? Whoa. I'm giving it an A also. Uh, just, I love the artwork, as pretty much reiterate what everybody else said. I love the artwork. Kitson's art is just beautiful. His Mary Jane on the bed, like Zach said, is, is great. And I like the homage that he did, uh, to, uh, Amazing Spider-Man 25 with the Spider Slayers. I think they're kind of going for that cover that, uh, Ditko did back in the day. And I like Mary Jane's line that she says, Whoever she is, she better be good to you, or she'll have to answer to me. So I thought that was pretty nice. So A out of me, I just I just dig that issue a lot. Uh, so let's move on you know, to. Let's just though oh. note that I think this is the yes, first sir. time in a long time that we've gotten three A's for an issue out of this panel. I agree, and I think if if any Marvel is listening to this podcast, if I got mm-hmm. more issues like this, you would hear a lot less bitching from me. Yeah. yeah. I agree 100%. Uh, put Van Linty on more often, I yeah. think. Give him the I mean, book, and I might no. be happy. No. <laughs> no? No. We'll find out in Why? a minute. No. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Let's hit up the Cupid cover, issue 605, with, uh, good Lord, how many people do we have on this book? Everybody in the janitor. Uh, <laughs> Fred Van Linty, Brian Reed, Javier Pulido, or Pulido, there you go. Rick, uh, Luke Ross, Rick Magar, uh, Yannick Paquette, and Mark Farmer. Took that many people to put out $4. Um, Stella, let's hit you up with this one first. Since okay. Um, so yeah. I'm just going to go, since I didn't uh, review 604, just sort of... Uh, go more in depth in this one and the different stories, yep. but not, you know, an extreme amount. Okay, so as the girl, um, there's a reason why I sang some Jefferson Airplane at the beginning because the entire time I thought I was on a Jefferson Airplane uh, trip. Uh, it was just <laughs> extremely psychedelic, 
And the fact that Detective Comics right now currently has an Alice theme makes me question what the writers were doing because, I don't know, it just seems a little uh, too, I don't, not redundant. Trippy. Yeah, I don't know. Just why, why do that when someone else is doing that? Um, the fact that if I saw my boyfriend shooting himself up, there would be nothing in the world that would get me distracted from that. Mary Jane says, what were you doing once? twice and then all of a sudden it's like behind her there's like nothing and i think that was like just a really that that was a problem i think writing in general is a problem for this story uh my positive was that in the end um it shows a deeper mary jane i think just what she's thinking about uh which is what i always praise in spider-man loves mj and the art i really like the art by javier pulido i think a lot of the reason why I like it is because it reminds me of uh, Marcos Martin, who I'm a fan of. Yeah. Um, let's see. Model Stink. Um, oh, yes. Uh, Michelle. <laughs> Michelle is a smart enough girl to understand that when a guy says that they aren't dating, she would actually take that and realize, oh, they're not dating. I don't think she'd be the kind of person that would latch on and continually follow him and text him and stuff that – like a stalker, creepy stalker, loser. It's coming back. That's not Michelle. So I think that was yeah. terrible writing. And uh, the raptor, I just didn't think he fit in the story. I thought it was completely random. And the yeah. final one, Match.com. Um, oh, dear. I just thought the story with the blonde was completely dumb, and it uh, made <laughs> Peter look extremely desperate. And so I get the uh, the reason why, you know, the editors want a single spider, but... I feel like he doesn't have to constantly be looking for a girlfriend. That doesn't need to be one of the plot points. He can just be Spider-Man, not Spider-Man looking for love. So I'm not sure. uh, So what's your grade? What's your overall grade? A D. D. Okay. Uh, JR, what what do you think of these? Well, I can't uh, quite work myself into the same uh, frenzied, venomous, froth-spewing state as Mr. Bailey when he did his review (laughs) some time ago. Uh, But he nailed it that overall this was a pretty bad issue. Um, The the last story in particular, Match.com, reminds me of why I hated the whole Peter Parker can't get a date thing because it's boring. It is a boring subplot. I was bored by it. When I was a teenager in the target audience back in the 1970s, um, I did like the Mary Jane story actually. Though I always, I always like Mary Jane kicks ass stories because as chauvinistic and misogynistic as I can be in my old age, I don't like it when our heroes have weak female companions. You know, uh, I, I like my damsels in distress to have balls. You know, and uh, the, you know, <laughs> Mary Jane, uh, you know, she really uh, she demonstrated some in this issue, and I, I like that. And unlike several people who commented on this by stating that uh, she would never talk to Peter the way she does in the flashback, uh, <laughs> frankly, I found their, uh, their how shall we say it, tortured conversation to be painfully, painfully honest, uh, implied profanity and all. Kind of like what you would find in a marriage uh, as opposed <laughs> to a committed relationship. Um, you know, she said some awful things to Peter, but one of the sad facts of life is that we will say horrible things to the people we love for the simple reason that we can. Uh, I, um, you know, I used to question why MJ would hook up with such an obvious loser like this actor, but, uh, after being in her, you know, a committed relationship with Peter, but that kind of makes sense that she would pursue somebody empty headed and banal on the rebound from somebody as, as responsible as Peter. 
I mean, I, I like the story. Um, I also kind of like the White Rabbit. She's one of my favorite loser villains. Uh, Model Stink should have been called The Story Stinks. Um, <laughs> the uh, the relationship with Michelle has passed the point where it was mildly amusing, uh, where she slugs him at the end. This is legally an assault, and we're all supposed to laugh at it and say how amusing it is. Ha, ha. Look at the Parker look. Ha, ha. He got slugged in the face by a girl. Ha, ha, ha. You know, somebody hit me like that, and I was capable. I'd have broken their goddamn arm. You know, <laughs> Jesus Christ. And then the last story, which, you know, like I said, if I was a woman, I'd be offended. All of the women here, whether it's Michelle being a nutcase, Danielle being a tease, or all the women online portrayed as pathetic losers, you know, I, I don't know what you get, you young single people are finding out in the dating scene in the 21st century, but, but my experience was that women don't start becoming cycle until after you marry them. So... <laughs> You know, this is, uh, I give oh, this a D. It was, it was saved from an F only by the MJ story. Uh, but overall, it was, it was, it was, it was pretty bad. Pretty bad. Mr. Bailey, you nailed it right on the head. Let's go to Mr. Bailey. He, he had, his main issue with this is the punch in the face, I think. Oh, God, yes. God, yes. Yeah. If, 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 correct me if I'm wrong, wasn't there an issue where Peter slapped Mary Jane? Factoring the yeah, clone saga. Yeah, it was in the clone saga. Like, yeah, it was like 226. Wait, 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 wait. This, that, that's not my point, Kevin. My point is, is that it happened, and even though it was an accident, it was look, it made Peter look very, very bad. Anytime you have a man hit a woman in comics, in film, on television, it, it is always supposed to make the man look like a jerk. But... For whatever reason, I don't know why, in contemporary society, it is perfectly okay for a woman to hit a man if he deserves it. And I think that is complete and utter bullshit. It has to be the same on both sides. And that, you know, that, that's like the main thing about this issue that set me off. But more than anything, it, it, it seemed to me, and it, and it kind of, brought everything into clarity for me the one problem that I have the big problem that I have with Brand New Day now I'm not trying to pander to any particular base here I promise but yeah that was a dig um, yeah that was, that was a big dig <laughs> um, but it seems to me that the focus and this issue brought that in, uh, you know, uh, brought it into my head and, and like to where I could express it the focus of the new Spider-Man is not Spider-Man fighting supervillains. It's not the light, you know, the life of Peter Parker. It's trying to grab a particular demographic, and that is the demographic that would watch television series a couple years ago, like The O.C. or Gossip Girl or the new 90210 or the new Melrose Place, where it, it, you know the whole thing is about how messed up is Peter's romantic life. And I was starting to like Michelle until this issue when she was just shown to be crazy and like like off the wall batshit crazy so that bugged me i didn't like the first story because all it seemed to do was serve as to make mary jane you know i i appreciated that it it, it portrayed mary jane in a good light i'm glad of that but it also to me the undercurrent seemed to be that Mary Jane was right to leave Peter, and she's a much better off without her him, him, being with him in a committed relationship. And I think that's a disservice to every writer, 
that ever wrote the marriage and wrote it well, like JMS most recently, and every fan of the marriage. It's basically like saying, guys, it's over, and here's why it should never work, because this is the arguments they would have. Didn't like that. And Model Stink, no, not Model Stink, um, Match.com, oh, good Mm -hmm. God. I got to go with JR. Every girl on that website was just like, I just got out of a relationship, and the guy was crap, but I'm here anyways. It's like, you know, it wasn't funny the first time. It wasn't funny the second time. By the end of the <laughs> issue of the story, it wasn't funny at all. And it's like Van Lenty, like, created a lot of goodwill with me, with that chameleon story. And then he just lit that on fire and tossed some gasoline on it and drove off really quick with this one. Uh, I'm going to give it an F, mainly because I, I think that if I really wanted to express how I felt, I would have to like go into the Klingon alphabet to, uh, <laughs> to, give, this thing a, to give this thing a proper... Th- this thing was utter, complete shit. Wow. Uh, wow. Kevin, what's your thoughts? Well, um... The first story, I'm just going to go one by one here. The first story I thought was complete trash. Uh, the characterization was uh, entirely unbelievable that Mary Jane would ever be with this Bobby Carr. I mean, we'd seen him before, and it seemed kind of not right, but now that we're seeing him shooting up, and as Stella pointed out, she's seeing him shooting up, it just doesn't make any sense. And it doesn't matter if you're writing Mary Jane before or Brand New Day Mary Jane, neither of them. It doesn't make any sense at all. And I don't know why Javier Polito was trying to be Marcos Martin. It came off as a a cheap imitation that just wasn't good enough. Uh, I give that story an F. It was a total failure. Uh, The second story, uh, first and foremost, Luke Ross is a kick-ass artist. I absolutely loved the Luke Ross art on that second story. Um, I actually really enjoyed the plot, too. Uh, You know, the digs on superheroine costumes at the beginning uh, through Harry with one of those uh, cousins was kind of amusing and I I enjoyed the whole thing up until Michelle punching Peter and that was, I agree with Michael Bailey on that one and that was stupid enough to drop this story's grade from an A to a C, it dropped it two whole letter grades, it was so stupid Um, the third story I'm going to basically disagree with everybody I absolutely loved it um, and I, I saw the names Brian Reed and Yannick Paquette on this story, and I assumed I was going to hate it because I've not liked any of Brian Reed's Spider-Man, and I've not really liked Yannick Paquette's art, but he stepped up his art immensely for this story. I thought it was great, and Brian Reed wrote a really amusing story. I actually loved the e-dating scenes. I thought they were hilarious, and yes, folks, I'm 23, and I cannot tell you how many times I have heard these stories from girls. That's all they ever want to freaking talk about. Uh, <laughs> I loved his... I loved when Spider-Man just kind of completely punked that villain, never let him get a word in edgewise, just kept talking, webbed him up, and webbed off, just keeping on talking. That was hilarious. And uh, his little not-a-date with the blonde when he thought he was on a date, but turns out she has a boyfriend and never even thought she should mention it, and they aren't on a date... I've known girls like that, too. <laughs> so, yeah, all this made me yep. laugh. I thought it was a really good story all around. I give the last one an A. Okay. Uh, Zach? Your, mi- mute's mi- your, mute- your mic is muted. Your mute's mic'd. <clears throat> your mute's uh, mic'd. Uh, yeah, I muted, <laughs> I muted twice just to make sure I wasn't getting through. Um, 
this was catastrophe. This was a catastrophe. Uh, that that's the best way of describing this issue. <laughs> By far, I paid an extra buck for other shit. Um, the cover was like didn't make any sense. I, I felt like that Peter was going to jump my bones. Um, which he had that look on his face. You know, <laughs> Did the spider cupid. Yeah, no, no, the Peter. Oh, the heart. Oh, yeah. I see. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's kind of creepy. Yeah, it is kind of creepy. Um, Who's the dude with the goatee on the left? I th- I don't know. I think that's supposed to be Bobby Carr. I think that's who it's supposed oh, to be. Oh, okay. okay. Yeah, except they made him blonde like... for this issue and didn't for the cover, which that was kind of dumb. Yeah. It looks like Storm on the right under Mary Jane. Wait, wait a that... minute. Mary Jane's on there twice? No. Oh, that's a white rabbit. Okay, I see I it. think that's a... Uh... I thought it was Lily Hollister, but then she wasn't in the issue. Yeah. She's got rabbit ears on the top. No. Oh, I missed those. <coughs> yeah, go ahead. Go ahead, Zach. I'm sorry. Anyway, <laughs> so I didn't like the cover. The cover was just crap. Uh, I don't like the White Rabbit. The only time I ever liked the White Rabbit was when DiMatteis was writing her. Um, the whole fight scene, or the whole fight between Peter and Mary Jane, everybody's like, this is why they broke up. No, that's just one of their many fights. Um, the, the second story, I liked seeing Raptor. I know it was kind of random, but it kind of it, it'll make sense when you when you read the first part of who has been Riley, and um, you know uh, they they fixed you know he, they had Peter wearing a Yankees jacket uh, earlier last year, and so you know, I, I think that opening splash page of chapter three was done to make uh, make everybody know well Peter's actually a Mets fan, <laughs> so um, I, I I didn't like any uh, the artwork was pretty good. And solid throughout, but the the writing was just such 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 BS that I just absolutely couldn't couldn't take it. It, it was really really bad. <laughs> I yeah. I I didn't like any. Uh, and Fred Valenti, I, I'm in the same realm as Michael Bailey. Um, Fred Valenti lost quite a bit of points with me, so uh, I'm going to give this an F. Surprise, surprise. Um, when I said <laughs> catastrophe. I, I think that kind of everybody kind of figured out how uh, how I was going to grade this one. This one was the, by far one of the worst issues since the Gale era. Yeah. Okay, so we got uh, an F out of Zach. We've got an F out of Stella. Is that right? A D. D. <laughs> Here, let me go quick. Zach, grade F. Uh, Jr. D. Kevin. I guess mine averages out to a C. Uh, Bailey. F. F. And Stella had a D, and I've got an F. I've never given an F on an Amazing Spider-Man comic before on a podcast in the last three years, and this one got it. Uh, I hated it. I paid three ninety nine, just like Zach said, and you would think with uh, double the pages or an extra 15 pages or whatever, you would think that I would get more for my money to progress the story. Instead, I got an Amazing Spider-Man extra issue crammed into my mainstream story. <laughs> why, why not? Why not just hold off these backup tales and throw them somewhere else. They didn't progress a damn thing. We've pissed off Michael Bailey. <laughs> we don't want to do that. Uh, he was just I pandering, just, you know. Just... <laughs> I mean, I, I, I probably, if Bailey didn't bring it up, I probably wouldn't have thought anything about it. Because this is a guy that every day he gets hit in the face. You know? And just to have another chick hit him in the face just seems like, oh, it's Thursday. You know? I mean... <laughs> But I, I can see what where Bailey is coming from. But the rules of that universe don't apply to ours, Bailey. What, what, what do you think? I mean, this you don't go to work and you get hit in the face every day, do you? No, but 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 the point is, is okay. Okay, yeah. here's here's a good example. Hank Pym okay. 
slapped Janet once. Right. And he has been labeled as a wife beater since. Okay. Okay. That, it was bad. She, you know, he was angry. She said something. He hit her. That's bad. If, if I'm in an argument with my wife and she said something I didn't like and I punched her in the face, that would be the worst. I'd be considered the worst of the worst. I'd be hauled off to jail. The cops would probably be beating the crap out of me once I get mm-hmm. there. But it's okay when it's the other way around. That was that was my overall point. I agree. Yeah, and I and wouldn't look, have had a problem it, with it if it was if she just slapped him across the cheek. But she yeah, like I mean, got on full fighting stance and punched him in the face as hard as she could. Mm-hmm. <laughs> The only good thing, because the White Queen story I hated, uh, the, I, the dating, yeah, well, yeah, I'm sorry, <laughs> so many white whites. Uh, no, I, I hated the first story. The uh, middle story was a throwaway. It, it progressed nothing with except giving Spider-Man a a, a a black eye or a black nose or whatever. Black nose. Does anybody get a black nose? They get a broken nose. <laughs> uh, Luke Ross is great. I, I enjoyed his artwork. And the artwork on the the backup story was good too because I like his stuff on Fantastic Four. Isn't he the main penciler on FF? I think now. Uh, anyway, no, no. Uh, Dale Eaglesham is the. Fantastic oh, he looked just like Dale Eaglesham stuff. You okay. I did. I think Unique Paquette actually did Ultimate Fantastic Four a little while ago. Oh really? Mm-hmm. Anyway, it just was a waste of money. I, I really, I wish they would have held this off and just put out Amazing Spider-Man Extra Number Four or whatever issue it is, because that issue got that book got canceled to bring out a web of Spider-Man. But like JR, JR I think will agree with me. If you're going to do the mainstream book and put Amazing Spider-Man on the cover, make the stories worth something. What do you think? Well, you know. That to me is it. It's the sto- I don't mind in a way that we had some kind of filler stories, to be honest. Yeah. But they sucked. I mean, yeah. I-, I appear to be in the minority that I actually liked the first one. Uh, but I think, you know, cumulatively, though, we can agree, you know, that the, that the whole issue sucked. So it's kind of irrelevant, the subject matter. It was just very, very bad. And, um, yeah. I mean, I think that's the crux of it. And a waste of our money. Exactly. It was. Okay, 606 with a very attractive black cat on the cover with Mary Jane going, oh, Kelly, <laughs> written by Kelly and McCone. And Fail. we haven't heard, from, haven't heard from Stella in a while. Stella, what do you think of 606? Well, you know, I'm great that, or I'm, I mean, I'm very happy how well writers really are in tune with women. Um, I just love that so much. Um, so, you know, I don't, you know, the entire story seemed very haphazard to me. And it was really the introduction, I don't know if Diablo has been around before, the introduction or just the portrayal of the first two panel villain I've ever seen in my life. He was only there for two panels. The rest was just globules of crap that were swimming around my head while I was reading. Um, you know, I think they probably should have just reintroduced Kat after the character assassination. They sort of, you know, subtly hinted that she was there to help him, and then why not pull off of that instead of waiting a long time and then bring in this random story? Um, of course, the uh, single interactions of Peter um, vex me. And let's see, the last thing I said was Michelle, oh yes, the fact that Michelle could have been a good character, she could have been, but now she's ruined by the whole chameleon story, I feel, and Nora is just tainted by proximity to everyone, 
And I feel like the only smart person in the entire uh, equation is MJ for just walking away. That was like the only smart thing that happened. I actually have no positive things to say, and I'll still give it a D. I feel like they're not as bad as some things that I've given Fs, so D for me. Okay. JR. God, was this story a disappointment? Um, <laughs> you know, again, we start with Michelle acting like a complete lunatic, you know, by shoving Peter's stuff down the garbage disposal. And then we get this terribly overwrought moment when both Nora and Mary Jane show up. You know, oh boy, Peter and his poor Parker luck. He has three women, very attractive women, arguing in his apartment, and he can't get traction with any of them. Boo! You know? <laughs> God! And then all the character development we've seen for Felicia over the years have just utterly been flushed down the crapper. Um, you know, first of all, she has her bad luck powers back for no apparent reason. Uh, and she doesn't seem to be the least bit concerned that the last time she had them, people started going bad, uh, things started going bad around the people she cared about because that was the, that was kind of the, uh, the, the devil's bargain she had made when she got the powers. Uh, that they wound up hurting the people she cared about the most. Well, that's all gone. Um, you know, and all the cutesy little banter between her and Spider-Man was just very painful. Uh, not, and Marvel not only seems to have de-aged Peter by a handful of years, they seem to have doubled that uh, according to Felicia, or with Felicia, and we're all supposed to be amused and chortle, chortle over her apparent bobbiting of Puma, you know, the manscaping comment, you know, oh, isn't that funny? <laughs> she cut his dick. <laughs> you know? Well, come on. That's basically what it implies. We're all supposed to be Yeah, exactly. You know, um, and I want to get to something. I mean, Joe Kelly, because I won't have much to say about 607, so I'll go ahead and say it now. Joe Kelly, the writer of the story, who, who I've liked some of his stuff in the past. Like I've always said, he did a, a really great web slinger story arc of Peter back in high school. But he comes out in this interview and he says, oh, he sees Spider-Man as some kind of man-boy or man-child or whatever. You know, and, and first of all, that's not true. It's ironic because that's the conclusion the chameleon came to in the previous story. You know, about Peter Parker, you know, because he took like bits and pieces that he thought he knew about Peter and came to a conclusion about him, which was which was off base. Well, <laughs> Joe Kelly has come to the same conclusion. Um, and, and Peter's not a man child. Peter has never avoided responsibility. Obviously, his his uh, his guilt about responsibility is is almost an annoying part of his character, but it doesn't make him a man child. Um, but. You know, that seems to be very consistent with what Marvel wants Spider-Man to be. They want him to be friggin' Peter Pan. Uh, so, you know, the, this story gets a, you know, a big D minus from me. That's for darn sure, so. Wow. Uh, Kev? Well, uh, to accurately describe this one, I've gotta take a quote from Hank Moody of Californication when he said, this tastes like prison ass. This was, you know, Steve Wacker commented that I say ass too much on this podcast, so since he said that, I've tried to take the word ass out of my reviews as much as possible, but this one, this is ass. Uh, This is is beyond ass, this is prison ass. This is just awful. Um, They started the issue by firmly cementing my hatred for Michelle. I mean, she had been... Going off the tracks, let's say, for the past two issues, but, you know, that could be 
a fluke, we're switching writers, I had hope that maybe they would evolve it in a better way, but no, we've switched writers, and now, yeah, I really completely hate her. She's a psycho, and she's not even a realistic psycho, honestly. Uh, worse than her was Nora. I can't tell you how much I really hate equal opportunity racist Nora now. I'm sorry, but it does not make you not a racist if you say, I'm a racist to everybody. That makes you more of a racist. So Nora is uh, unredeemable at this point. I don't care what else she does. She's a little racist bitch, and I don't want to hear from her anymore. <laughs> um, we bring Black Cat in in a state that she has been well past for decades. Uh, it's basically like they decided to skip her last, say, 150 appearances or so, because she's seen Spider-Man, Peter Parker, whichever guys, how many times since that time, you know, back many, many, many years ago when they had their thing and she didn't want to see his face and, you know, there was a thing about it. But now, the first thing when she shows up, she's bitter about it. We've gotten past this. I mean, if you want me to accept the brand new day formula, then, yeah, I I can try to figure out what people remember and how things are different. You cannot just take out... 20 or so years of what happened to a character. It's even worse than saying that Peter Parker and Mary Jane were only in a committed relationship. At least they're trying to say that stuff still happened. They're not even they're not even putting that sheen on Black Cat. They're trying to forget that stuff. I mean, the only redeeming value to this issue was Mike McCone's a good artist. That is it. And he was not good enough to redeem it. This gets a big ol' F. It is absolutely wow. as bad as the other stuff I've given an F to, or worse. Bailey? Um, I think this issue is indicative of the current mindset of both Marvel and DC when it comes to telling a story that continuity, it's not so much uh, as kind of Kevin was pointing out that continuity isn't important. It's whatever is going to look better in that trade paperback. Uh, the black cat as presented here is not, is not presented for fans of the character or fans of Spider-Man, or fans of the history of both. Uh, It's presented to kind of gloss on their relationship and tell a story where the two of them can hook up. And so when John Q, Barnes & Noble, and Books A Million Reader picks up the trade, they can feel like they know what's going on and that there's a history there. I I liked the humor in this issue. Uh, Well, let me me preface preface that by saying, good God, if I walked into the kitchen and somebody was shoving my crap into the garbage disposal, I'd be like, one, calling the police, and two, why hasn't he found another place to stay? Yeah. She's crazy, and now she's destroying his property. Agreed about Nora. She took a few hits because I was really liking her at the end of American Sun, and now she comes in and is just part of the whole, you know... We're going to make this cute little scene where everyone's talking about Peter, and they all own him or don't own him, and who doesn't care? And, and, and Mary Jane walks in and wants nothing to do with it, which was good, because that's how I felt. I wish I could have walked out. But um, some of the humor, like when he's talking to the criminal that he's carrying around about his day, I thought that was kind of funny. But then the black cat shows up, and it's just like, the whole point of this is to is just get these two hooked up, and that's not a story; that's an idea. 
And uh, the, the next issue really didn't prove me wrong. Uh, the one thing I will say, though, that kept this from being a D is as much as Peter is about responsibility, I agree with that completely, when you get to a certain point where I don't care if it's a woman or a man, depending on how you feel, I don't care if it's food, I don't care if it's alcohol, I don't care if it's drugs, I don't care if it's cigarettes, but when your life gets to a certain point where everything seems to be against you and that one thing pops up that you know is bad for you, is just handed to you and your resistance is down and you give in to that, it can kind of relate to that feeling. So I understood the ending and wasn't as upset with it as I thought I would be. So it gets a C out of me. Okay. Zach? You know, I, I laughed out loud with the opening scene just at the pain, how painfully bad it was. Um, Black Cat. I've never been a huge Black Cat fan. I've always been more of an MJ fan, but uh, <laughs> this issue, I want to give it a D because um, this got a G for the bad writing. Uh, Joe Kelly, um, I, I don't want him writing Spider-Man anymore because it seems like he's writing Deadpool in Spider-Man's body. And um, my the, the only good thing about this issue was my favorite quip that I literally la- laughed out loud. Uh, where Peter asks, I was good at the sack. <laughs> you know, that actually made me laugh out loud. Um, because that's, that's what an every man would ask. Um, Diablo, uh, I never gave a shit about. Um, and, you know, Mike McCone's art was really good, but Diablo was just, I didn't care for the villain, I didn't care for the premise, I didn't care for Mary Jane walking in and, and seeing the two of them make out, and, and uh, ooh, yeah. The one other good thing is is that uh, Steve Wacker realized his mistake in the annual on the letters page, and uh, actually put the little panel in there was supposed to run with it. That was the only good thing about this issue. <laughs> I, uh, that Michael Cohen's art, I, I just, painfully bad. Painfully bad. So I'm going to give this a D. Damn. C-F-D-D-D-A out of B-D. Uh, I loved it. Loved it. Absolutely loved it. I don't know what you guys are smoking. <laughs> I think when it's five against one, we want to know what you're smoking. Okay. <laughs> First of all, I love the black cat. I love, generally, Joe Kelly's writing in the past, with the exception of that crazy-ass bag lady that he was smoking something. <laughs> Uh, I laughed out loud several times in this issue, I, and uh, I think little Nora is just a firecracker. A I racist love the, firecracker? A racist firecracker, but it looks like your booty, it looks like it swallowed a sack of dead puppies. It's freaking hilarious. I laughed out loud. I just, I thought that was yeah. hilarious. And I, I liked um, uh, his quippage of Spider-Man and Black Cat flirting throughout the issue. Spider-Man says, you're not going to let me do the quippy McChatterbox thing to avoid real conversation, are you? Etc. I think that's cute. And she says, uh, settle down with a nice lady spider and lay a, an egg, egg sack. Just funny. And and Black Cat, I... No, that's I Deadpool. Think, that's that's Deadpool, man. No, Spider-Man invented quippage, you bastard. I, I know, but it's, <laughs> it's Joe Kelly writing Deadpool. Oh, oh that's so funny. Yeah, let me rate that. It's ass. Anyway, I... I well, so from a guy Joe who's been Kelly reading, I have ever heard. 
Wow. <laughs> for for reading it for 30 years, I think this is dead on Spidey Quibbage. I think it's great. And and if you boil the character of Black Cat down, she's flirty. You know, that's one of her main traits. And she was very flirty with him. And she, in the past, she's had the – he's married. I know they went through that um, thing where she dated Flash Thompson to get back for him getting married. But in her mind, he's single now. Well, no, I take that back. He doesn't. She doesn't know she's Peter Parker. There went my argument. <sighs> Help me, Jr. <laughs> I don't know where I was going with this, but she, she, um, she, she's after him. Has been after him for twenty years, and as Michael Bailey said, it's very easy to fall into the arms of something you shouldn't if you're in a down point in your life. And I can totally relate to that. So, feel free to. Berate me. <laughs> Ass. <laughs> okay. No, I mean, well, I mean, it's like everything else. We all have our opinions on it. That's why, you know, if we all agreed, it would be a boring damn podcast. I can't believe I gave an A out of all you guys. CFDD. No, no, I, I think it would be if we all gave it an A and you gave it an F. That would be just that would be something no one would believe. I've only given one F, and that was the previous issue. Yeah, so if we uh, if we don't have a podcast without one issue that you give an A and I give an F, then I mean this is <laughs> that's true. All right, moving on to six oh seven. Uh, Ver, I love that cover. Do you guys like this cover? No, with her not at all. With the spider suit. Oh, I, Are you I, kidding me? I, I thought that was hot. I'm not gonna lie. I've never, um, yeah. I've never been a J. Scott Campbell fan though. I just don't like his style. My goodness. I thought it was uh, completely gratuitous, and it's more of a pinup than a cover. Well, I didn't like her teeth. Cheesecake. Jr. You know, it's kind of funny because I don't know where I read this, or even I heard it. I actually thought I heard this at the comic shop that I bought it at. Where someone said, uh, if as long as Scott Campbell keeps drawing the covers, people will keep buying them. Um, I'm always for pictures of good-looking women, you know. <laughs> He's pro-hot women. But, but like I said, <laughs> I, uh, I, uh, I, you know, I, I like my Spider-Man covers to have Spider-Man on them, and uh, I don't She's like I, I don't like them to have pregnant uh, horned women on them. <laughs> and uh, I. I I, I, you know, and it's just funny. I mean, again, we talk about Marvel talks about wanting to, you know, make Spider-Man accessible to all ages or whatever. But obviously, this is this is pandering to uh, this is pandering to horny teenagers. And uh, I, yeah, I, I don't, I don't know. I mean, it's, I, it's I, a nice look cover, but crap. You know, I just feel bad for Peter when he gets that shirt back. The chest is going to be all stretched out and it's not going to look right. <laughs> oh, that reminds it, uh, It's probably, it's Red's got one of his porn cartoons uh, on the same subject, doesn't he, where Mary Jane's putting the mask over her, uh, over the twins, and he's saying, don't stretch out the mask. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, I think just... Brad has one of his porn cartoons. Is <laughs> this <Yeah. laughs> Dragon Wolf on the line? What the hell? I mean, <laughs> Uh, yeah, Jr. hit it up. What, review this issue. What do you think? Oh, sir? well, I said most of what I wanted to say the last issue. Uh, the um, I don't I don't want to comment on the sex much uh, because well, <laughs> one I'm married. I, I've been married so long I've almost forgotten what it's like anyway. Uh, but uh, it, it just proves my point that the I think the writers are living vicariously through Peter Parker because ever since issue number six hundred one. We have had Peter getting laid, trying to get laid, failing to get laid, appearing to get laid, but then told later that they were just kissing, you know, which was the chameleon or whatever. I mean, really, that's what the last 
couple of months of issues have been about, uh, you know, Peter and his sex life. And uh, I, I don't want to read that. You know, I, I don't want to read. I didn't want to read it 30 years ago. Uh, that's not why I buy this comic. Um, and then the the. You know, like I said, it, it almost seems like it's 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 adolescent male fantasy's gone wild here these last few months. Maybe I should, it, maybe it's just because I'm just such a cranky old bitter fart. I don't know. And then the <laughs> big crime, the whole big crime, is this 20 year insurance scam in the making. Ooh, I'm glad they stopped that. Jeez, not even <laughs> not even Norman Osborn would pull something big like this. You know, like s- establishing an insurance scam that took 20 years to pay off. Oh wow! You know, I, I just yeah. You know, I ran out. Great JR. I ran out of toilet paper. I hope this one is sitting by because uh, because it, it'll wow. be put to good use. D minus. <laughs> D minus. Yeah. Uh, Bailey, what's your thoughts? I thought it was a pretty lackluster story. Uh, I, I, you know, the focus wasn't the pl- the, the 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 plot. Uh, of the 20-year insurance scam, which I, I, I gotta agree with Jr. is this, this is like a, a bad like 60s Batman villain scheme. You know, and, and, and when was Diablo a Spider-Man villain in the first place? I mean, I, I always he's... thought he was an FF villain. Because, and, and, and if he's not a Spider-Man villain, why is he getting recruited at the end for what the Gauntlet, which is what I'm assuming. Uh, we're seeing that uh, that that Craven's what is his seventh eighth kid to show up in the in the Spider-Man series. I don't, he's potent. I tell you what, he's got more <laughs> relatives. But uh, you know, you know, the whole thing was for them to have sex, for her not to want to see his face, and for him to have a big smile on his face because he got laid. And that, and that <laughs> was the focus of this issue. And you can you can you can try to make it into this big detective story. Where Peter puts all the clues together. Uh, let me ask you a question. Peter is constantly running out of web fluid, and why is Peter constantly running out of web fluid? Because that, it's ex- that was because of the black uh, black cat powers screwed it up. No, I thought no, he was running but, out but, of but fluid I mean, because uh, he's had sex so much lately that he's running out. <laughs> 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 I'm not talk- no, no, he, I'm not talking her about powers are screwing up his stuff. No, no, my point is, is that that's that's a staple in Spider-Man comics. At the worst possible time, he's out of web fluid. Yeah, uh, you know, I'm swinging through the city. I'm out of web fluid. I don't have enough money to to buy web fluid, so that's my problem. Where in the hell did he get all that web fluid? I mean, did yeah. the black cat like the building roll yeah. him like making up a big old batch and like 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 he's making pancakes <laughs> for the Avengers? I mean, yeah, hey, man. I mean, <laughs> web pancakes is good. It's up. I mean, it's <laughs> just you know the cover bothered me. I am all for attractive women. This is too much. This is just too much. Spy- I'm sorry. On the same cover that is advertising the kids' Marvel cartoon, the you have a girl. Is that what are those diamonds? Is soap? Is she in a bath? What the hell is going on here? Diamonds. <laughs> and you know, you know, she's stacked like the Library of Congress. <laughs> 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 we'll almost get to see if she's pulling a Paris Hilton or not, but you know, in regards to her underwear, it's just totally unnecessary. It bothered me. It bothers me now looking at it. I mean, I, you know, one day I'm going to have kids. I can't show them this. I only want to show them it when they're when, when they're an adult. I just uh, the story itself gets a C minus. 
but the cover just makes me think that Marvel has completely abandoned any hopes of this being an all-ages title. Hang on a second. I want to bring in an expert on the subject. Spencer, come here. I want to show you this cover. Come here. Come here. Come here, Spence. All right. Okay, Spencer, you see this cover? What do you? Th- uh, he just turned around and walked away in disgust. All right. <laughs> All right. We've heard, we've heard from that. We've heard from that demographic. So that's fine. Uh, <clears throat> okay. But Bailey, Bailey, to to reiterate, I think Marvel has said, "Screw it." There's no nobody that's seven and eight and nine buying these books anymore, because we have Spider-Man banging chicks every week. It looks like in in handfuls. We've got we've got. Uh, him sneaking into hotel rooms to have sex with them. They're, they're saying, you know what? You, we know our audience is twenty years old. Screw it. We're gonna we're gonna treat them like twenty year olds. We're gonna put some soap opera drama and some sex in it. And and that's the problem with Marvel these days. I mean, As, it, and, and, and like Mr. Behrman said last night when we were talking, this might change when Disney comes on. Well, Brad, you know? here's the thing. Do you really want do do parents? As they really want their kids to get into their amazing Spider-Man comic book stash and think they got into Daddy's porn stash? <laughs> no, but I don't think the kids are buying this stuff. Yeah, I think but they could. I think at this point they're damn well not because the parents right. know better just from looking at that cover. But if you, if you <laughs> wanted to, okay. they could. I mean, they were writing, you know, in the '90s, just 10, 15 years ago, they were writing comics that appealed to our age group, and yet. I was reading those comics when I was about ten, and there was nothing inappropriate for me, and I still got it. Yeah, well, and well, they were. Re- Go ahead, Bailey. Here's a better question. Okay, Marvel as an entity has has done its best to market Spider-Man to the youngest demographic possible. You know, I, I got a uh, we had DVRs put in from Directv recently, and the guy came into my office to help me get something hooked up. And he immediately starts looking around, and the first thing he asks is, do I have any Spider-Man action figures he can have for his kids? Because he was, you know, doing above and beyond what he was supposed to do. That right there tells me that his kid, however young, probably seven, eight years old, is really into Spider-Man. And and what Marvel is saying is that, okay, we should make this, like, completely and utterly likable to kids. We're going to put it on PJs. We're going to put it on cereal. We're going to put it on fruit snacks, which you <laughs> like so much. But, you know, when it comes to the comics, they're not buying it, so we're going to completely ignore them. Yeah. And that seems that, – that, that, that there's something about that that bothers me. Well, and it gets to a bigger point about the characterization of Peter Parker. It's not about responsibility anymore. It's about youth. This youth movement that these editors have been shoving and cramming down everybody's throat is what's really killing the, the overall story. I mean, we've got oh, Spider-Man's about youth. Spider-Man was never about youth. Spider-Man was about responsibility. The first lesson he ever learned was in responsibility, and he's been trying to make up for that ever since. And and you know, it's like Jim Shooter said, mm-hmm. Spider-Man's on underoos. Okay. For God's sake, we're not going to have him have a little. Uh, I think this was talking about the Matlow bastard child story. Um, we're not going to have him have an illegitimate child just because you know because he's on under ruse. So that's that, that. And I think that that mindset is where a lot of a lot of fans are these days, and, and they just let the, the uh, 
Quisada and, and Brevort and Wacker have seemed to have lost that. Well, and here's well, and another you, thing. The thing is, you can't, uh, you can't just come in and redefine what this title, what this character is after 40 years because you want it to be something different. I mean, there, I don't have any problem whatsoever with sex in comics. I don't have any problem with uh, a comic book character having a drunken hookup they don't remember or, you know, having sex with an old girlfriend in a broken-into hotel room and not wanting them to see their face. But that's not something you do in Spider-Man. There are things you can do in Spider-Man, and there are ideas you need to save for other books. You know, when one of the characters in Witchblade had a very... uh, pretty graphic, considering it's a comic book, sex scene with somebody that she really shouldn't have been having sex with, I had no problem with that. I thought it was a good plot point. I thought it was well done. But this is Spider-Man. You can't come in and say, well, we're not marketing to kids anymore. The character, the trademark, it's all already been defined. Well, and here's another thing that ticks me off, because Marvel has been saying, and one reason they got rid of the marriage, theoretically, was because, what are we going to do when all you old guys die off? Who are we going to sell this character to? There's, you know, it's, But they're not marketing it to the next generation. Who are they marketing it to? They're marketing to the same, you know, to, in a way, the same aging demographic. They're just trying to appeal to their, their more puerile nature, you know, because... You know, because apparently that's what the, how the editors and the writers feel. You know, apparently they feel they feel these emotions. They feel this way about women. They they feel this way about missing their youth, and they want to express it in this uh, in this juvenile fashion. That's the only thing that I can think that this is about, because it certainly is not about appealing to the next generation to take the place of of those of us who who have read the comic for years and who will eventually go away from it or die off. So it just it just this whole thing just irritates me because it smacks of hypocrisy, disingenuousness, uh, and just outright lying. So I'm yeah. I'm getting steamed. I better watch it. <laughs> Stella, we haven't heard from you. What what's your take on the book? Um, you know, when the words "next generation" come into my head, really the next words that I uh, hear in my head are prepubescent. And prepubescent um, kids, I feel, are kind of still grossed out by women to begin with. And so, I mean, if I gave, like, a kid, like my, my nephew or something, a permanent marker and pretty much told him to blot out all the pages that just did not interest him, that would be practically the entire book. So, and while I enjoy some romance, I just feel like... Um, this is a little too uh, adult of romance, and then it's like just too forced on us. So, and like I said before, I just think that they really are pushing too much for the single Spidey. And you know, if Spider-Man wants to be single, then whatever. You know, it's been two years. I'm kind of past it now. You know, fuming about the whole uh, deal with the devil. But I'd rather have Spidey stories being Spidey, not the crap that Spidey trying to date. So. Yeah. What's your grade? Um, oh, oh, oh my gosh. I thought we were just debating. I'm sorry. Um, see, now I, I got off track. Okay. Well, the, <laughs> I thought we were debating that whole thing. Um, for 607, I did have some uh, points. Okay. I felt that the entire issue was like watching an episode of Scooby-Doo. So, <laughs> well, you know, when you watch Scooby-Doo, it seems like some sort of ghoul is stealing souls or something. But then it really just turns out that it's an old man trying to blackmail. So really the ghoul here is Diablo. And the blackmail is actually this insurance fraud. 
insurance fraud, I'm like, WTF? Are you serious? I, I just, you know, what about world domination? What have our comic values gone to? Um, you know, the positive, kind of the interactions between Black Cat and Spidey are fun. If I turn my brain off and, you know... It is nostalgic to think back, you know, the times when they were together originally. So that is a positive. But, you know, it's really good to know that an all-ages comic can have a friends-with-benefits relationship. I mean, that's what I try to bestow on all of my people that are, you know, younger than me. So my grade is a D plus. I actually thought it was wow. slightly better than the other two. So, mm-hmm. uh, And we haven't had uh, Zach yet, have we? What's your grade, buddy? Well, I haven't okay. gone. I'll take his place. Oh, okay. Whoa, whoa, Go ahead, whoa, wait, 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 what, what, what? <laughs> have you reviewed number 607 yet, Zach? Um, I don't think I have. Up yet. I, I don't think I have. I, okay, I what's mean, your grade, sir? My grade is my grade's a D minus. It was more of the same yeah. crap. Diablo is yeah. a crap character. I, I, I know he's a Fantastic Four character, but he's never been in Spider-Man, to my best of my knowledge. So I don't give a crap about Diablo. This insurance plot was just garbage, absolute garbage. I'm like, really? That's really the only good thing was we got to actually see Dexter Bennett for once. Yeah, that's true. Uh, Kev, well, I really. They just simply laid a complete stinking monkey turd when they were trying to recreate this old status quo between Spider-Man and the Black Cat. And that's obviously what this whole story was about. But what they've really accomplished is to prove, make it more clear than ever, that that era, that status quo is long gone. We're way past it. I am so sorry that these writers and editors missed it, that they weren't there for it. But it is clearly gone, it is clearly over, and it is not coming back, because this just sucked out loud. And Mm -hmm. that one redeeming value of last issue was how good Mike McCone was. That's even lost this issue, because both Mike McCone and Adriana Mello are very good artists. But the switch between the two, and then back, and then back again, was just so god-awfully jarring, that it really screwed up the last several pages when you're just trying to get reoriented to what artist you're looking at. And as much as Adriana Mello was a very good artist on Witchblade a few years ago, this looks really rushed. Like, maybe she was inked badly or something. I don't know, but it wasn't up to her usual standards. So, even the art doesn't save this one. This is a classic F. Hmm. Serious. Damn. Uh, B out of me, uh, I liked it. I liked, again, the flirtation. Uh, the reason I'm giving a B and not an A is because I, I have a couple uh, problems with it, with the, the oh, don't look at my face. I mean, I don't care how dark the room is. You're going to see the guy's face. I mean, I can, I can believe a guy will stick to walls more than that. And that, they've used that excuse the last couple issues uh, with uh, Harry and Norman fighting, and then Peter loses his mask, and Harry can't see it because, oh, my gosh, it's so dark there. I can't see his face. I just don't believe that for a bit. I liked the opening splash page of the costumes on the bed. I thought that was that was hot. <laughs> I guess is the, the word to say it. I Be, thought that was kind of Because Brad neat, gets neat, off on that kind of stuff. Uh, neat, neat visual, but you know what? I'm also I, I totally concur with what you guys are saying. I'm reading this book as a 34 year old guy. I'm not a seven year old. And when I read Amazing Spider-Man years ago, I, I don't remember. I, I do remember him in bed with Felicia, but I, I didn't think it was as big of the story as it is today. But also, I, 
I don't know. I don't think sex in the media was as much as we had back in the eighties either. No, so I, I don't. Not. I don't. I, no, I mean, I, I don't we're know. talking about Marvel, who didn't want to show Betty and Bruce Banner in bed together talking, and they were married. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. well, that was partially comic code of authority too. Yeah. I, 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 I would just again, I, I, I thought but, Kelly's quippage was great. The line. That has to be the first time I've ever been slipped the tongue during CPR, and she goes, "Instinct, you can still do the chest compressions if you want." I was, Gosh. I laughed out loud. I thought that was hilarious. Yeah, I groaned it was, yeah. by that point. That I was like, so what? Like, like, what? There's that certain type of man that just wants women to talk to them like that, and it's just completely and utterly unrealistic. I, I just think it's funny. Uh, still, I don't think you would appreciate somebody doing continue to do chest compressions to them. Yeah, right. When you're doing CPR, would you slip well, up? Well, you know, number one, <laughs> I don't think it's going to feel good to the twins. Let's be honest, okay? No, they're really hey. not. You know, the guy might be getting a little tingly feeling down south, but the girl is. <laughs> and for another reason, it's the My fact Lord. that when you do chest compressions, the majority of time, I would say at least eighty percent, your ribs crack. So. Yes. Good, good thinking there, Felicia. I'm glad you've got a head on your shoulders. Besides, she's she likes the rough stuff. Oh my gosh! <laughs> if you boil that character down, she's sex. Oh she's no! Not, she's flirtatious and sex is what she is. No, Jr. We've been reading it since the '80s. Is she not just sex and flirtation? Well, I think she was initially, but she started maturing somewhat. That's the thing. It's all gone now. I mean. Uh, that you know, and no, I don't think she was all flirtation and sex. I think that was a good part of her character, but mm-hmm. I think there was, I think in a way, she had the uh, the hooker with the heart of gold syndrome type thing. <laughs> and uh, this this character is just a uh, distilled, um, you know, a distilled version of what uh, what a, a, a an adolescent male thinks a girlfriend would be. So, yeah, yeah. Okay, uh, that wraps up. We had four issues. Uh, 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 all right, hit your clone saga up. Wow. What'd you think, buddy? Dude, well, Brad, did you give a grade on that one? A B. Oh, okay, didn't hear you. B. Yep. Um, clone saga one came out. He, Howard Mackey, uh, Tom DeFalco, and um, Todd Knock. Todd Knock, yes. What did you think, Zach? And this was the best issue of the month. In fact, the best issue of the past six months. Uh, quite frankly. Uh, well, not, <laughs> not because not because I'm a clone saga fan. It was just extremely well written, fast paced. Uh, no decompression whatsoever to it. I, this was like, like I put on my review, I said, this is like sitting at Thanksgiving and you're, you're and you're, you know, you're, you're eating this all up and, and you, and you have that really full feeling when you're done. You know, and you're, and you're, you, you feel like you're about to pop, but you know what? It was good. You know, and, um, I absolutely enjoyed this book. Uh, the art was dynamic and, and stunning. I mean, the, the colors and the inking were just solid. This is, this was, ten, this was a thousand times better. Than Todd Knox, uh, Obama issue, which we kind of found out later was a really big rush job. So, uh, when he takes his time and, and has time to, you know, kind of sit down and, and, and do it at his own pace, this was really good. By far his best Spider-Man work. So you give it a C, right? No, I'm giving it an A plus. Uh, <laughs> this, this got a five out of five for me. So it was, it, you've been waiting years for this one. Uh, yeah. This, yeah. This is like losing your virginity. <laughs> anyway, uh, Bailey. <laughs> What do you you think, Bailey? Uh, As someone who never read the original Clone Saga, I'm coming in from this like from a completely like fresh eyes on on the property. I thought I I, I will agree with um, 
I'll agree with Zach. It was very well written. Um, I I won't say it's not decompressed. Uh, in fact, I will say it's it's too much happens. Uh, they cram too much into the issue. Yeah, I, 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 felt I, like... I think Peter and Ben became friends way too fast. Uh, it would have been nice to have seen a little animosity between them and have that be one of the story points that you know of how they come together. However, it had Todd Knock artwork. I've liked Knock since Young Justice. Love that title. Loved his artwork on it. Um, only thing I don't like about this book uh, is that it's three ninety nine, and it really shouldn't be because it wasn't extra sized. So yeah, yeah. The, uh, but uh, I'm gonna give it a B. Kev, well, I really enjoyed this one. Um, and the biggest surprise was that there's actual mystery. You know, there's I've read the original Clone Saga, at least you know most of it, and I've certainly read all the stuff from this point. Uh, but yeah, there's actual mystery. There's actual differences. Uh, there's appropriate nostalgia to it, but it's not just a retread. I actually really liked how quickly they became friends in this one, as opposed to. Uh, the more knockdown, drag out fight, and Peter breaking down in the original version. I thought this really rang true. I liked it quite a bit. Um, and that you know the ending with Kane working for shadowy figure uh, was was really cool. I enjoyed the whole thing. Um, actually, my only complaint would be the Todd Knock art. I think he draws one ugly ass Spider Man and MJ. I mean, ugly as sin. Um, but overall, I would give this issue an A. It's not it's not quite A plus level, but it was it was a solid A. I give it an A. Also, I like Todd Knock art, and um, I like just the old school '90s feel. I, I like the old logo on the front. Yeah, that was a nice uh, touch. I, yeah, very nice touch. That. Thought that was very cool. Um, I'm trying to think. I I, I like the pregnancy thing. I, I hope they're going to address that. I mean. I mean, it's, it sounds like they're going to address it. Uh, the, the, yeah, they have done this about that. A uh, big minor change was also we don't really know what happened to Aunt May. Um, yeah. yeah. Who's, who, do, who do we think the shadowy figure is? Is it Norman or the uh, the jackal, you think? I think it's Harry Osborn. I mean, there's oh, no really? way it can be Norman because this is supposed to be how the clone saga was originally intended, and they pulled out Norman as a last-ditch effort to end it, so it can't be Norman. Uh, yeah, yeah, I think uh, one of their uh, – if it's not the jackal, I'm thinking it's Harry. Uh, yeah, I'm leaning more towards the jackal because this is how it was originally supposed to go. But Blood Brothers was supposed to, and Gaunt was supposed to be the character of Gaunt was not supposed to be Mendelstrom. It was supposed to be Harry um, in the containment suit because he was dying. He was still feeling the effects of the Goblin formula. Right. Um, but I really think I, I, I'm going to lean towards the jackal just because of his, the phrase that he used. But uh, what, what was the phrase? I forget. Um, that he knows that he knows his two uh, uh, Spider Spider Man Spider Man is yeah. better. Spider Man's better. Uh, also, what's come out recently, Clone Saga related, it looks like they're going to re- reprint your trade paperback. Finally, Zach, you finally get your, get your trades. Yeah, I mean, we're. Uh, I'm very excited about this because if and, and sometimes until I see it in the solicitations I'm, I'm going to be a little skeptical because it's listed on Amazon and sometimes stuff that's listed on Amazon actually isn't there but this looked pretty concrete um, I know that they've been planning on uh, that Casada has been berated with questions for the past almost 10 years about getting the clone saga tra- uh, in trades or even yeah. omnibuses so I- I'm very excited about this it's going to be very handy yeah, don't I think forget if- that 
Sorry, but I just wanted to add to that. Uh, don't forget that the last time Brevoort was asked about Clone Saga trades, he said, you know, I, I thought we'd already announced that. Expect to hear something soon. So that sounds pretty concrete. Yeah, I mean, yeah. So adding all that stuff up, I'm really, really excited. This is going to be very a whole lot easier for me and, and uh, <clears throat> Mr. Cushing to uh, to be reviewing this on the on the Clone Saga Chronicles podcast. Let me ask you a quick question because I'm a little bit thick on this. When they say in the solicitation that it includes subplot pages, are they saying that they're not including entire stories or something? They're just like in the in in the absence of a story, they're doing a summary. What what do they mean by that? I have uh, no idea. To me, it uh, sounds like okay. I'm, ahead, I'm fairly sure because uh, they said they were printing. Uh, the issues, and Zach, correct me if I'm wrong on this, but it's going to be Power and Responsibility and then Web of, I forget which one, that one was Web of Life, right, and the Web title? No, that was, the first one was The Exile Returns, was the very first story after Power and Responsibility. Because remember, it ran... Okay, yeah, 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 you're right. Because they, um, they split That's why I asked up. you to correct me if I'm wrong, because I was. So, yeah, yeah they're, uh, they were printing those, but there were some other Peter Parker stories going on, less... Ben Riley centric, and it sounds like they're just going to take a few panels and pages from those stories and put them in there, rather than include the whole story and then move on. Yeah, because I mean, cause at that point they were splitting the title up between Webb and, and Peter, what would soon be Peter Parker Spider-Man, and Amazing and, and Spectacular were, were running Peter Peter's story. And remind me, what was running for what was the Peter Parker story running during the Exile Returns? Was it Shrieking? No, Back from the Edge. See, I never even read that story, and I never felt like I missed anything. So. Yeah, the uh, that was where that was actually the '90s Daredevil, really pathetic metallic Daredevil costume. Yeah, yeah. And great Mark Bagley artwork with a with a puma. That was really fun. But it's, it appeared to me just from looking at those covers that that story just served, you know, as its title says, "Back from the Edge." It served to try to bring him back from that brink that he had reached because of his parents' death. Yes. And so that's not really as material to the Clone Saga as the stuff you want in that trade. So it could be okay, but it depends on how many stories they decide to just pull some pages from. Yeah. If there's anything like other trades I've read where uh, I, I think it's exactly like, uh, I forget which one of you said it, that sometimes if it if it's a like in something I read recently, The Death of Clark Kent, they put in a bunch of pages from previous issues in the months before that kind of led into it. and Or in the case of the Death and Return omnibus for Superman, they cut out whole sections that didn't have to do with the overall story. So I guess just in the interest of collecting only what is absolutely necessary. Yeah. So who's going to order it? I'm, I, I'm down for it. I will. I'm going to order it. I'm going to make my first order through MailOrderComics.com when I get it. Oh, wow. Nice. So. Yeah, I'm waiting for yep. the Mail Order Comics solicitation because I noticed Amazon has 33% off and Mail Order will be at least 38, probably 40. Yeah. yeah. Stella, are you going to pick it up? Um, I think I'm going to start investing in some uh, Batgirl back things. So that might be first on my list before Clone Saga. Okay. Sure, I know you hated it. You, you well, probably have the original. <laughs> I've, got, I've, I've got all the originals, so I don't usually yeah. buy the trades. Yeah. Uh, okay, let's move on to the next topic. Uh, story that came out uh, at the end of last month around September was uh, the Jack Kirby's kids are uh, suing Marvel, it looks like, or they intend 
to sue Marvel in the year that the copyright comes up. They've uh, listed 45 characters, uh, 45 copyright termination notices that uh, their dad, Jack Kirby, who passed away in the early 90s, uh, is due some money for. So this has a whole bunch of legal stuff. And when I go for legal stuff, I go to... Stella. No, Stella well, what, what, that's not Stella. That's not Stella, what do, you, what do you think of this? Do you think the Kirby kids deserve to own a piece of Marvel? Um, you know, I guess it really comes down with, you know, with great power comes great responsibility. I think. Okay. <laughs> yeah, okay. okay, here we go. No, I, no I just wonder what they're going to do with it. Um, if they're going to be really cruel to people who want to use um, Marvel in different uh, forms, then no, I don't think they should have it. If they're going to be really willing and open to what's how it's going to be used, then I think you know it's a good idea. Everyone, I think, should deserve a piece of the pie, but it just depends on how you eat the pie. So those are my uh, yep. two cents. Bailey, Bailey should talk a bit about this because this this spurs off of the Superman lawsuit with the Seagulls, right? Yeah, it's all with uh, with the way the the copyright law was changed when uh, Sonny Bono was in Congress. The the one thing, and I keep saying it when, when people ask me about the Superman lawsuit that I'm going to say about this is, uh, one, all of this isn't going to happen for quite possibly ten years. Yeah. This is a notice. That is all that it is. That is just saying, this is just the Kirby kids saying, we are turning in our official notice. They're working with the same lawyers that are working with the Seagulls, which shouldn't come as a surprise. And at the end of the day, it's all going to come down to money. Yep. I well, don't think the Seagulls want to own these characters. I don't think the Kirbys want to own these characters. But they probably want a little bit of that pie. So yeah. I, I think it, you know we just got to relax, not wig out about this, and see what happens. And Disney is made of money, so I think they can say, oh, here's your millions that you want. Yeah, well, and here's the thing. The Spider, I can understand Fantastic Four and, uh, and, uh, uh who else did he create? Hulk. The Avengers. The Hulk. Yeah, the Hulk, the Avengers. Um, I can understand that. X-Men. Yeah, X-Men. Those titles I can understand. But the problem is, is you have, Kirby only did one piece of Spider-Man work. In terms of, well, I'm not gonna say he did one, but he, the most famous piece of Spider-Man work he did was the, was the Amazing 15 cover. Amazing Fantasy 15. That's, that was Kirby, but everything else was done by Ditko. You know, um, so I'm, I'm kind of on the fence about this with, in, in concerns with, in concerns with Spider-Man. Because, um, <laughs> it shouldn't be, uh, they, they shouldn't be going after Spider-Man. I, I think that was just kind of an afterthought. It's because number one, Spider-Man has the most uh, is the most marketability and the most money to be made by including Spider-Man. But the fan, I mean, but this was just I, I, I'm kind of sick of these greedy kids going after. I, I, I know Kirby was really wronged by Marvel, and I understand that. I, I know a lot of the artists were really wronged by Marvel. While Stan got all the acclimates, uh, they didn't get any. But this is just kind of borderline ridiculous. Michael, I don't know if this is true, but if, say, Marvel reprints the first ten issues of Amazing Spider-Man, does Stan Lee and, and Steve Ditko get a check for every time that's reprinted? I don't believe they do, because I don't think that okay. was worked out in their contract. 
Yeah. I mean, it, it's I, it's just yeah. it's all in how the contracts are written, and, and the main problem mm-hmm. that Marvel and Disney are going to have with this is that the work for hire structure was not kept up with well at Marvel in the '60s. So if Marvel claims it was work for hire and they cannot provide the documentation to prove that, they're going to have a really ugly time with this lawsuit. Yeah. One thing I want to say, though, is, and I'm not saying this from a legal standpoint, just from a logical one, I've, and I've held this opinion on all these things, I don't think that the kids of the guy that created this stuff deserve a cent. They didn't do any work. They didn't create jack shit. If Jack Kirby was still around wanting to get some money, then absolutely, let's do that. But, you know, these kids didn't do anything. They didn't do anything creative. They didn't come up with a thing. They haven't contributed at all. They want money for doing absolutely jack nothing. They want money for what's in their blood. And I've always thought with all these types of lawsuits, that's just wrong. Well, let me play devil's advocate with you there just for a second, Kevin. Um, Let's say... When you break it, well, let, 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 let's not even assume it. When you break into the business and you create something and you get a crap load of money for it, and you're, I assume you're planning to have a family one day, wouldn't want you want your family taken care of after your death? So, with whatever money I was able to work out with the company, any money that I have that I've been able to work out with that company for what I did then that's my money, and I'll be able to leave it to them and do whatever I want with it. But I don't think my kids should be able to come back and demand more because they didn't do anything. If I have the money to leave them, that's great. If I don't, tough. I didn't work it out right. That's up to me, not the company. Okay. All right. Anybody else want to say anything else before we move on? Well, I... uh... You know, this is one damn mess. I'm not an expert on copyright or law or anything like that. If I talk too much about it, it'll sound like Whoopi Goldberg's assessment of the Romans Polanski case. Not, oh, not, being, not, not being rape, rape. Um, but um, the, the, I mean, it's it's really fun to it, it's it's nice in a way to see someone going after the corporations in a way because Marvel and DC and uh, have a history. And it's not really in the blood of the people who run the companies presently. But originally these companies were started and run by crooks and con men who did nothing but try to avoid paying their talent, whether it be their talent, their suppliers, anybody. Martin Goodman, in fact, used to set up dummy companies to go broke so he wouldn't have to pay his suppliers. Um, and so they've always ripped off the, the, the people who created the comics, shamelessly so. And Kirby, Kirby was one of those. The problem is Kirby's claim on the creation of Spider-Man is so specious. Uh, he goes back to you know the Silver Spider and the Fly, which did have some Spider-Man kind of similar elements. But then again, so did Spider-Queen back in 1941, who devised web bracelets that shot a web fluid that allowed her to swing from building to building. Um, this is just, uh, I, I, I have to say this is kind of a, I, I really think this is a money grab and, and, uh, almost like a revenge motivation, uh, because of how Kirby was treated. Um, it's, it's just very unpleasant. It's very ugly. And unfortunately, I don't have any sympathy. 
for Disney either because they're the ones, you talk about Sonny Bono and stuff, they're the ones who keep screwing around with the copyright laws because they don't want Steamboat Willie to fall into the public domain. So th- this is a case where you almost hope there's no winners and that everybody gets screwed because I don't think <laughs> I don't think anybody's got a good motive uh, out of this. So I would I would agree with that. Let's keep Jr. talking. Uh-oh. We're going to go back for <laughs> this month of Spider history. We're going to go back to October 1985, and Jr. I would say all three issues for that uh, month are an A. We have uh, Amazing Spider-Man number 269, written by Tom DeFalco, Ron Friends. This is the one called Burn, Spider-Burn with Fire Lord. Do you have fond memories of this one, JR? Not really. Uh, I picked it up. Really? Well, I, I, I basically because it's primarily just a setup for the next issue, which is actually the good one. Um, yeah. You know, I, I really, um, I had, a lot of it is uh, kind of set up, and a lot of it deals with Aunt May's disappointment of Peter dropping out of grad school and, and then Nate Lubinsky giving Peter a hard time about it. Uh, that just, that crap got old. You know, I mean, that was kind of the where you just want to slap at May around because she's not got a god, goddamn bit of sense. You know, she's just a senile <laughs> woman. And, Don't, you know. Michelle Rodriguez, yeah, her? Well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, exactly. let, let, turn, let turn Michelle on her, yeah. yeah. But, you know, wow. just that whiny, you know, it was just full of whiny old people that first. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I was about to say, I guess I should look in the mirror, huh? Because that's all I've been doing this podcast is whining. So, but now, you know, the, the, the follow up issue. I think was better the one where he actually is kicking Fire Lord's ass. This was just primarily set up. That's eh, just my opinion. Uh, we're also this month Spectacular Spider-Man 107 came out. Death of Gene De, uh, DeWolf Part One Original Sin written by Peter David Rick Rich Bu- uh, Buckler. Uh, loved that storyline. Did you like this one, Jerry? Yeah, I did very much. Uh, I really liked. Um, just the fact that we were – I like it sometimes when Spidey gets into, you know, the dirty business of street crime. Um, you know, it's nice to see him punch out Doc Ock and the Green Goblin, but it is nice once in a while to, to, to see him just kind of on the street and, uh, and and dealing with the ugly realities of, uh, of, of, you know, violence with guns and murderers with no, with no motives. Uh, and, you know, the fact that his – and he has this great conversation with Stan Carter, which – Obviously, since we know the end of the story, just makes it that much more eerie. Uh, so this yeah. is, I mean, this is a setup issue, but it's a really good setup issue, and and I just really like the kind of tragedy where it it, it just kind of begins on a sad note, where Jean is going through her life and then she dies. You know, it's I mean, it's a punch. You know, if it's if you don't see this coming, it's a punch to the gut. Uh, mm-hmm. It's just a damn shame it had to happen to Jean DeWolf because she was a good character. <laughs> But you're right, yeah. it's it's a great story. It's probably one of the best ever written about Spider-Man. I think Michael bought the original trade paperback for this, right? Uh, no, uh, I, I have the individual issues. I, I, oh, okay. I had a chance to buy the trade and, and didn't, which is kind of silly on my part. But no, uh, JR says that he likes it when Spider-Man gets down and dirty. That was the point of Spectacular Spider-Man when Peter David took it over, was it was going to be like the Hill Street Blues uh, version, you know, title in the, in the, in the Spider-Man world. I love this issue, too. I love this Me entire too. story. But J.R. nailed it. When you're sitting there and learning about how she grew up and why Jean became a cop and and, and, and the, the, the men in her life that she was trying to make proud and you know her whole motivation, and then you turn the page and she's dead on the ground and wondering why her life is flashing before her eyes. It, it, it's sad. 
it's so remarkable, and it's just great that it was an interesting way of showing how Spider-Man would deal when someone he cares about dies, especially something like that. Someone yeah. like Gene, who was actually on his side. Yeah. Looks like Peter David was also busy this month. He did the Web of Spider-Man issue with uh, artist Sal Buscema on Welcome to My Nightmare. And I, I read this issue a ton when I was a kid. It was 1985. I was 10 years old. I loved it how Spider-Man changed suits in the nightmare realm. He was red, black, red, black, red, black, red, black throughout the whole issue. It was just a fun little story. Jerry, what do you think of this one? Well, you know, this one, I didn't really have any uh, uh, feeling about it one way or the other. Um, I've never really liked, you know, it's kind of funny. I talked, I talked about liking it when Spider-Man gets down and dirty into the street crime. I really don't like it when he starts hanging around uh, characters with uh, mythical or fantastical supernatural elements and that's what nightmare is mm-hmm. uh and i really hadn't read this story in a long time and so i i went and i kind of scanned it and frank and again i i just didn't understand it i mean it, it, maybe that's showing how dumb i am but i i didn't understand from what i understood dr strange placed a curse on nightmare so the so some part of bruce banner's psyche keeps chasing him and i just i didn't understand it didn't dislike the story just didn't understand it, and just like I said, getting into that those kind of elements just wasn't my bag. So, when I was ten, these my two char- favorite characters going at it. It was just heaven. So, and I love the cover. It says, "Incredible Hulk has just spotted Spider-Man. Cancel Christmas." So, and, and the that. fact that you mentioned that these two stories were written by Peter David. I mean, you know, I'm going to. Why Peter Day? I mean, Peter David is a great writer. I mean, he has some duds now and then, like every writer does. But, you know, I loved his classic Star Trek stuff. I loved a lot of what he did with Spider-Man. Friendly Neighborhood never really got off the ground because of all the ridiculous crossovers. But why, yep. but why he got jettisoned, why he and... and uh, <clears throat> Roberto uh, Aguirre Sacasa. <laughs> Although he, since he's a screenwriter, maybe he had other things going on anyway, but or a playwright or something. But why Peter David got jettisoned, and then we get Guggenheim and Gale and uh, yeah, why? I don't, Speaking I don't of, understand that. Yeah, well, you, you mentioned the year. I was going to make a joke about Back to the Future and Bob Gale, but I decided not to. <laughs> Nobody. The. Um, I, I agree with the JR. I, I think they just threw out the baby in the bathwater. Yeah. Well, to when, be uh, fair, though, I would bet that Peter David is just such a busy writer that he didn't have the time for the demands of this three times a month Amazing Spider-Man. Because that's one thing Guggenheim mentioned yeah. when he left that it was he had to he still had to write an issue a month because of the schedule, but it was like a whole second job with the insane amounts of email chains and keeping everything straight and reading other people's scripts and going to summits. I well, mean, but that, Peter David like, writes a lot of books. He probably didn't have time to do that. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, but isn't that the editor's job to make sure? No. That the, you don't think so? You think it's the what writer's part? job about having to uh, make sure everything fits? It, uh, no, it's the, the writers though. They have the reason they have to do all this. They first they have to stay on the train when these email chains are going around, throwing around ideas to get new stories down. They've got to stay on that train. Uh, to keep themselves in there, they've got to read everybody else's stories because it's it's one thing for an editor to proofread afterwards yeah. and say, well, this was a wrong reference, but the writer has to know what's going on, uh, how people are acting towards each other, what seeds have been planted already. They've got to read that stuff. I mean, you okay. can only imagine what would happen. It's It seems so disjointed already. You can only imagine what would happen if you had people writing these issues without having read the past nine. 
Yeah. So yeah, they, the writers absolutely have to do this, and I, I I think Guggenheim's description that it was like having a second job was probably absolutely correct. I can't imagine Peter David being able to keep up no. with that with X Factor and Fallen Angel, and I think he was writing he does, Hulk at the time, and he does uh, the Stephen King book too. Yeah, that too. That's got to be a lot of work dealing with all the Stephen King stuff. So I'd love to have Peter David on board, but I can't imagine how he'd swing it. Okay, gang, we're going to wrap the show up right about there. We have another hour and a half coming up in a couple days. But before we go, I want to thank our sponsor, MailOrderComics.com, for sponsoring the show. An example of their great discounts is the X-Men Spider-Man trade paperback. Now, this one collects the uh, four-issue limited series. It takes place in different time periods of the heroes' lives. And, oh, yeah, there's a, even a Ben Riley appearance. So check it out. The cover price is 15 bucks. Mail order has it for eight ninety nine, which is forty percent off the cover. So check them out at mailordercomics.com. I'm your host, Brad Douglas. Thanks so much for listening and visiting the Spider Man Crawlspace.com.